Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is the Everything is Black and White podcast brought to you by Chronicle Live, bringing you the latest insight on everything to do with Newcastle United. You can find us on iTunes, Acast, Spotify or most podcast providers. Hello and welcome to Everything Is Black and White Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Musgrove, and today joined by Kieran Kelly. He's back from London. He's recovered from what was a, a cracking day down at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium as Newcastle beat Spurs 1-0. But uh, he's, he's had no rest because he <laughs> met Steve Bruce this morning for uh, the Newcastle head coach's press conference. And of course, we have the game against Leicester City tomorrow at St James' Park in the League Cup. We'll start with how... Steve Bruce was in the press conference. Obviously, various things you can't tell us because of embargoes, etc. But there are some things about his mood and um, bits and bobs you can say. I suspect that his mood was a lot different to what it was uh, last week. Yeah, it's it's amazing. It seems a lifetime since that press conference on Friday, given um, everything that's happened since. But yeah, ahead of that Spurs game, obviously, it was, it was quite tense, quite thorny. He came out fighting and whereas ahead of the Norwich game, going back further, you know, he was reminiscing about all those players he played with, like Aza Hartford and that. He was using words like laughable, lies, um, you know, really going at it, bringing the Michael Chopper stuff up at his own accord. It was very much, you felt the ingredients for kind of a siege mentality. Um, but today, given such a positive performance and result, um, it felt like a weight was lifted, um, both for him and the atmosphere was was just was amiable, really. And um, I think he knows saying that it's a big week in the sense that it's one thing getting such a result like that against Spurs, but it's another, you know, building on that with another good performance against Leicester, and then you know to get a result against Watford because if you go into that international break on the back of three good performances and potentially two league wins, that's absolutely huge. So. He, he looked very calm and composed today and yeah, certainly a big change from um, just a few days ago. You mentioned there the case to build on it and I suppose, do you think he got the balance right today in his press comments that he realised great result, great performance, but it is just that it's, it's one performance and, and the key now is to not get ahead of ourselves. We've got to prove that we can do this on a regular basis. Yeah, I think he, he said that even... Um a week or so ago basically that when they lose not to get too down and when they win not to get too high and that really is the key in management isn't it that you can have a high like all those Newcastle fans did um, at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium but equally eight days previously they had such a low at Carroll Road and I think it's mirrored really with how managers and players are so I think the players themselves are so experienced now to know not to get carried away you're not talking about a a newly promoted outfit. A lot of these guys have been playing the Premier League now for a couple of years. Admittedly, you have a few new signings, but I think a win like that against Spurs shows what this team potentially can do. And also it gives them a taste and they'll, they'll want some more of that, you know, to be part of a team. Getting results like that is obviously a lot better than when you're going to Norwich and effectively you're you're having a nightmare. Um, obviously, it was a fantastic performance defensively. They kept their shape. They were much better than they were against Norwich the previous week. 
but it has come at a price. Uh, up to six players <laughs> have taken a knock, um, or they have had knocks, and um, may not feature tomorrow against Leicester. Now, of course, it's the League Cup. They weren't necessarily going to feature, given how important they are to the Premier League campaign, but that's still a hefty price to pay, given that uh, Watford are only a few days away after the, the Leicester game tomorrow night. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you could see by the end of that Spurs game just how many bodies were on the floor, the the blocks they were making. There was three blocks in stoppage time alone. Um, just huge, huge defensive performance. But right the way through the team, whether it's Fabian Schaar having a cut on his ankle, whether it's um, Almiron having an ankle knock, whether it's Joe Linton feeling his groin, there's just the team's been decimated as a result. I think... To be fair, an element of it will be a bit precautionary as well that the Watford game, I'm not saying is more important, but I think he knows that if they can win that, um, it really takes them forward again. So equally, though, you look at Leicester and you think there are guys there in who haven't really got a sniff who would be keen to take their chance. Carl Darlow hasn't played yet. Um, Federico Fernandez has had one substitute appearance. Kieran Clark hasn't played. Uh, Key, who started against Norwich, didn't even make the bench against Spurs. So there are a few lads there with a point maybe to prove. Also, for someone like Matty Longstaff, it could be an amazing opportunity potentially to make his debut. I mean, we we would all love to see that, I think, because it's a, it's a nice sideline to it. But yeah, I think going into this now, having that cushion of the win against Spurs it would have been almost terrible if they'd lost that and not had a performance to take from it and then oh god we have to get something out of this Leicester game and then you have to keep the squad fresh for for Watford so I think the way it's worked out is all right but it's it's a really huge chance for for Muto and and guys like that to to make their case. Now you would probably say we would have assumed that Muto would start regardless whether Joe Linton was was fit you would probably um, maybe say a few others not given a start but we'd, 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 we'd assume they would start but are there any suggestions that actually he might change seven, eight, nine players? Given, obviously, the six that have taken knocks, I suppose that's a yeah. more realistic possibility now. Yeah, I mean, someone like Atsu, who hadn't played for two months for club and country, and then he had to play 80 minutes, that intensity, it was it was absolutely remarkable. So even someone like him, he's obviously not going to be able to play, you wouldn't think. I, I would say at least five changes, and then... But, I mean, you're looking at it, you could easily envision seven or eight. I think he, anyone who is not feeling anywhere close to 100%, I don't think they'll take a risk. I think the Sam Maximan thing um, kind of strikes as a warning because although he'd been training last week, it just shows the first exertion he had in the game, 17 minutes in, you know, where he has that first burst of explosive pace, he feels the hamstring again. And um, obviously he's having a scan again on... Uh, Tuesday which is today and potentially all going well could only miss three weeks but that could have been even worse so they can't really although there are a few options in the squad I think to get an injury to someone um, going into another huge Premier League game would be would be a disaster so I think they will be very very careful but equally he knows he's come out and said he's got to take the cup seriously so it's a delicate balance I, I think you can bring guys in but it's not a case of you know, in previous years, maybe we've seen three or four academy players come in. That won't happen tomorrow. So I think it will be a, a team that has plenty of experience and he will feel can at least put in a good performance. And those on the outskirts, well, those that haven't made it in the Premier League squad, any hint that they will or won't be included? No, I, I'd be, there isn't any plan for that. But 
I think, you know, we're we're looking now. There's only a few days till those European transfer windows close, and you're thinking, are are any of them really going to get a move? Um, it's potentially the situation now where they're they're here past that deadline. To be fair, though, I don't think you can uh, fault their attitude. That you know, Bruce has been really keen to keep them involved in the 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 larger training group and that's really encouraging because if they had bad attitudes they wouldn't be anywhere near that and I think it actually adds an edge and unpredictability to training that it allows you maybe to do um, 11 aside games for example that you have those options and in previous years maybe we've seen managers who've, who've put them into the academy and reserves and just got them out of the building completely but he's been keen to keep them involved he almost feels that responsibility so um yeah, it, it, it's, it's a strange one, but who knows what will happen um, in the final week of the window. I guess Devil's Advocate there would say, well, surely they're training with the first team in the mind that they can actually start these yeah. cup games. I think a few of them have referenced, you know, the chance to, to be included. So if they're not included, which it looks like they probably won't be, what happens then? Because surely, does that not then? Do you think that affects the mindset of those players? So we're talking about the likes of Jack Carback, mm. uh, Xavier, Aaron's. You know, they probably would have thought, okay, I'm not in the squad, but I will get a chance in the cup competitions. And if they're not, do you think that gives Bruce a bit of a, a, a balancing kind of uh, issue there? Perhaps, but then equally, you look at it. Say, um, Carback didn't play the the last game against San Etienne, the last preseason game. Even since then, think how much football's played and how much match action he's missed out on. So to have thrown him in against Leicester, um, I think would have been unfair on the player as well. Um, so you can see why it's kind of come to this where Bruce has said, you know, I'm going to go for the Cups as much as I can. Um, but equally, you've got to rest those key players. But then you do have good internationals in reserve. So, yeah, it's, it is a... Is a tough one, but I think you can see he's feeling it, trying to, as his duty and uh, as a manager to keep them involved. And albeit it's just that they doesn't seem like they will be in competitive action. One man that we assume probably will start in the midfield is John Joe Shelby, um, left out of the starting line lineup against Spurs. Didn't didn't come on. It's an interesting one. It's a, it's, a, it's a question that never seems to go away with John Joe Shelby and Newcastle United. Benitez had the same dilemma and Bruce has seemingly got the same dilemma now. Mm. I mean, you would assume he'll start tomorrow. Well, that's my opinion, my view. I mean, I could be totally wrong. Uh, but you would, just because Hayden and Longstaff worked their socks off against Spurs, so they're going to need a rest before Watford. Um, but let's just talk about that dilemma because there's no doubt in Shelby's ability. His passing's fantastic. But what do you think it is? Why why can't Newcastle United seem to? I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to say build a team around because it's not what I don't think they should do. But why is he not in the in the starting eleven? I suppose the the first two games really show both sides of the coin. I thought they lost the balance and shape completely when he went off injured against Arsenal. But at Norwich, he did score. It really pulled out a brilliant goal. Um, obviously, it was just at the end when didn't really matter but the the whole reason of having that extra man in the midfield is to give them a foothold in games and get into possession um, and to get him on the ball more but it just wasn't happening for him you wouldn't have thought that Newcastle necessarily had that extra man advantage in the middle and Shelby was the main one to benefit from the 3-5-2 initially the, it almost seemed I know you say 
uh, not to build the team around him, but he was the main kind of focal point there. You know, Longstaff and Hayden's roles were changed. They were put kind of slightly wider roles in that midfield. And Shelby was the one basically to be, you know, having that telescope to look across the field from a deep line position. And I think in a way, the Spurs game, you, you couldn't have really imagined him having to do the, the shift that Longstaff and Hayden did because to be fair that's not that's not his game like he he works really hard you saw in pre-season you know days after the Fulham game he was back in he was on a warm weather training camp in Dubai he was so keen to make an impact at the start of the season but I think where the tactical system goes now will be will be telling because Bruce was so reluctant to radically change it but in moving to 5-4-1 it just looked overall a better better setup against Spurs and I personally be surprised I know it'll be a different kind of game a different dynamic you know Newcastle will have to dominate the ball a bit more but you would almost think would he feel the need to change it again um, personnel and system wise unless of course Shelby has an absolute storm against Leicester and it almost feels that he's gonna need to um, to remind everyone of those qualities he has but like I said those first two games you saw both sides I thought he um he did well against Arsenal at some in some points. They they lost a lot when he went off, but against Norwich and those kind of games where there's a lot of pace coming at you, you're gonna to have to defend a lot, as we saw against Spurs as well. It just didn't really suit him. And we're gonna to speak to uh Leicester Mercury's Richard Kuzak in a moment, just about um the Leicester view on the League Cup clash. But before we do, let's talk about the Spurs victory then. Um like you see, you mentioned the change of formation there. And it was a brilliant defensive um, performance, as we've mentioned. A few people referencing that it was a very Rafa Benitez <laughs> type of performance. Um, is that a bit harsh on, on Steve Bruce? Because I, I, I suppose it was in many ways, but at the same time, Bruce has changed his system. Bruce is the one that's got to spend the days on the on the training pitch and the run up to that Spurs game and say, "This is how we're playing." Yeah, you know, your view. It's funny, isn't it? It's when things aren't going well, Benitez's shadow looms large and then even when he gets a win, um, I, I think what I would say is you see the cornerstones of what we saw at Newcastle the past couple of seasons, that heart, that never-say-die attitude. It's reassuring to know that's still there. What I would say is I think the most encouraging thing for me um, was all week they've been working on that shape and game plan and that to be able to execute it on such a big stage eyes of the world on you given the television coverage um was really heartening and the desire everything basically that wasn't um there against Norwich was was evident at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium so it's really encouraging I think you have to just give credit to the current manager in the sense he's not watched back Benitez's games from last season said right he played this way this way this way I think he's taken on some of those principles. You could have long staff Hayden partnership, obviously coming back as a two man midfield for the first time under Bruce. That was that looks a no brainer going forward now. Um obviously you got the, the three centre halves, Dummett, Lascelles and Shar. They've been cornerstones, they were brilliant, the keeper was brilliant. Um but there are little things I think you saw for the goal, um, the way they were so composed and calm possession, um, and how quickly they got it from box to box um you know i think it was 17 passes in 46 seconds between richie picking it up and joe linton scoring and i for me that was a, a kind of a, a different kind of move and build up to maybe we would have seen under benitez it wasn't just you know 
get up to the front man, get the knockdown and, and get it in. It was a very refined and patient build-up and I think it almost got lost a bit naturally because the defensive stuff was so impressive. You know, you'd done it making 12 clearances in the game. Absolutely remarkable. But for me, that goal showed that there is a lot going into how they're doing team moves and that. And that's something that Bruce has, has put a stamp on. So I think, like I said, the the stamp is there um, in that performance. But yeah, they're, they're the principles that Benitez instilled in that team. But every manager relies on their team to work hard and to, to give their all. And that isn't just a Benitez thing, is it? Let's talk about a few standout performances. Obviously, everyone um, praised Paul Dummett. Fantastic adventure there. Uh, 12 clearances absolutely brilliant performance by him but there were a few others that stood out um, who maybe didn't get as much praise Matt Ritchie again fantastic down down the wing um, left wing back also spotted giving that to a kick up the backside <laughs> and I think in the 93rd minute sprinting back from a, an offensive position which was just typifies the man we've mentioned it before but I mean he is just he's just the ultimate professional isn't he yeah, I mean, you could see it even in the warm-up. There's uh, a lot been written about the warm-up in the past week, so I was keeping an eye just to see, you know, was there maybe any shift or change in the body language, and it was noticeable how Richie was the one really geeing up the players, and even when they were just stretching on the spot. I think it's so hard to pick out individual players. For me, Joe Linton was, was amazing. I thought you saw in one game what the recruitment team were harping back about on about uh, going back to February, you know, the the work off the ball, the headed clearances from corners and obviously having the composure to score that goal, which, you know, you would think any striker should be able to do that. But given what happened a week previously when he headed that golden chance wide, he, he really stood up. Um, Almiron, who has come under the microscope with his role thought he looked a lot more comfortable right until the last minute like he said he was he was running and it, Atsu I mean you could just go through the team Atsu having not played um, you know not had a pre-season game barely trained for you know the past 10 days and to put in a shift like that play through cramp it was it was stunning really so I can't pick a, an individual I think they're all just Really, they, the fans had such a nightmare journey to Norwich and got no reward, whereas a similarly tough journey for them to Spurs, they they would be in a rush to come back to that stadium. It was just a, a brilliant performance. It's a funny old thing what a win can do, because um, before this game, Jill Linton <laughs> was questioned, £40 yeah. million. Pounds. Atu is constantly given a hard time. Yeah. And yet, those two were just, they were just fantastic on the day. So it's a... It's a fickle, fickle old world, world is football. Um, just finally then before we get on to, to the Leicester game, obviously Alan St. Maxman went off. Um, lovely bit of play as well in the build-up to where he did actually pull his armstring. And a quick free kick by Matt Ritchie. Do you think he was rushed back too soon? I th- I'm thinking back to the Norwich game when there was after the match Bruce was saying that he was really keen not to rush him back so that potentially there was even a sniff that he could have been back to training in around that game either after it or just before it um he was back in the gym the early part of last week and then back training it's Bruce's the final call but you have to remember it's the same fitness coach and physios who 
were there in previous seasons when the injury record was was what it was, really good. Um, personally, I don't think he would have been rushed because he was cautious of being an explosive player. How you know a, a strain, one of the first strains of his career, remarkably could easily become a tear. A tear is serious, particularly when you're you're settling into a new club. So, I think given how the Watford game was possibly more winnable on paper he would have been thinking if he wasn't fully fully ready he would have sat out the Spurs game and come on from the bench maybe but he obviously felt that he was ready and to fulfill an important part of the game plan because you saw that for what for probably the first time this season Joel Linton wasn't isolated you had Almiron and then some Maximin Aratsu um, in support and on counter-attacks they actually had options out wide so it's a real shame that he's got this injury, but all depending on the scan, you know, it might not be as serious as we think, you know, it could be a matter of three weeks and given the international break coming when it did, um, you know, he could be well back in action then, but I think they will almost be even more cautious now, um, certainly with him to, to make sure he's absolutely fine. Most well, certainly you can head over to Chronicle Live to see Steve Bruce's response when he was asked that question on whether he did rush answer maximum back too quickly we hope you've enjoyed this episode so far just a quick reminder to please subscribe and review to our podcast through itunes spotify or whichever podcast provider you listen through and now we're going to be joined by uh, rich kuzak from leicestershire live a very tough challenge for newcastle um and the cup competitions aren't always taken that seriously but how is brendan rogers uh, approaching this one well, Brendan's made it clear that um, he won't be making uh, wholesale changes. Uh, he'll give um, he'll give sort of stars to players who've been on the fringes, uh, who've not started in the three Premier League matches so far. Um, I think the, the club are targeting the cup competitions this season, uh, not just to get some silverware for the first time since, uh, apart from the Premier League trophy, first time since 2000, the last uh, cup win, but also a chance to, to get European football, which is high on the agenda for, for City this season. Um, so I think that I think Rogers also, bearing in mind what happened to Rogers' predecessor Claude Puel, that embarrassing defeat at Newport in the third round of the FA Cup in January, and the Carabao Cup exits as well. I think that the, the, the club wants to restore some goodwill with the fans, and, and the, the way they'll do that is by progressing in the cup competitions um, this season, hopefully. Obviously, a good win over the uh, Sheffield United over the weekend. Um, lots of elements coming together. I always impress. Had a, a very decent game, and of course he returns to St James's Park uh, tomorrow. Do you think he'll he'll start? I, I think I think it might be a stretch to start him. Uh, I, I think obviously having come into the club in the summer, Rogers might be tempted to uh, to also not spare him the emotion as well because that might be very sort of taxing on him too. Um, I'd be surprised if he, if he did start. He played very well on Saturday. He, he won the ball back uh, for the opener. Uh, that's what Rogers has brought him in for uh, to win the ball high up the pitch and turn possession over for front foot. And I'd certainly be surprised if, if he does start, Andrew. Uh, you said no wholesale changes. So out of the, the main players, who do you expect to start, and who are the ones that Newcastle need to keep quiet? Well, well, Wilfred indeed is certainly he, he's out. Ben Chilwell's out as well. Uh, they haven't played in the last couple of games. Vardy could get a run out, but. Then again, so could Kletchi, Ian Acho. He, he, he's a player who needs to regain his, his confidence. He's not scored too many goals recently. Uh, we, we, James Madison as well, Hamza Chowdhury, they, they could play. It's interesting because 
Brennan hasn't been explicitly clear on the players he will play. He's just said to us, I'm not going to make wholesale changes. So if he does stick loosely with the side that played against Sheffield United, then the likes of James Madison, you'll, you'll really want to keep him quiet because he, he's been really impressive the last couple of games. Yuri uh, Tielemans as well, he's not been firing, not not been on the form we've seen uh, since he joined uh, on from Monaco in January. He's another player who's, I think, is adjusting to having started pre-season with City late and then um, is adjusting to the rigours of the full Premier League season. So hopefully, Brendan might be tempted to put Yuri out there and, and say, "Go on, have a good game, and let's let, and let's see you, let's see you firing um, firing hopefully early on in the season." Um, so they're the sort of players that you'll be you'll be looking at. Uh, the likes of Harvey Barnes, he could play. Obviously, I think you. Your listeners might have seen uh, on the highlights his excellent goal against Sheffield United, the, the winner three minutes from time. I think Harvey Barnes will be certainly pushing for a start. He he's a he could be a key player tomorrow night. And how did Newcastle stop Leicester? How did Newcastle beat Leicester? What what would you say is the approach to boost has got to take to tomorrow night? I think they've got to get in their faces early on. Uh, they've got to establish. I'm not sort of. I'm not entirely sure what sort of crowd you'd be expecting. I know the early rounds of the cup don't tend to garner much interest. Um, but with the game not being on TV, perhaps there might be a bit more, a bit more of a walk-up attendance. So hopefully we'll try and get the crowd on side, get get in Leicester's faces, established early on. But Leicester aren't going to be able to have it their own way. They're not going to be able to play the, the passing game they like to play and the possession. Um, so I think that's going to be key for, for, for Newcastle tomorrow. Uh, well, on Wednesday night is to make sure that they um, they establish straight away and get get in Leicester's faces and hurry them. And what's the view of Newcastle down in Leicester? Is, it, is this tie seen as, a, as one that Leicester are favourites in? I think so, yeah. yeah. I think Leicester, will be, Leicester fans and Leicester themselves will be expecting to, uh, to uh, come through. It's, yeah, I know it's the only all Premier League ties in the ground and I think um, Leicester fans and players will certainly be hoping to get, get through it. I mean, Leicester in the Carabao Cup in the last couple of seasons have been knocked out on penalties by Manchester City in the last couple of uh, seasons at the quarter-final stage. So, They'll be hoping they can get through it, get through tomorrow night. It's a tricky test at Newcastle, who obviously played so well at Spurs on Sunday, and hopefully come through it and progress into the latter stages of the competition. Well, there you have that. Was Rich from Leicestershire Live? Uh, Kieran, what have you taken from from that? Um, yeah, it's obviously interesting the the Perez aspect for me. Um, you know, the idea that he, he might not play. Um, on his return to St. James's Park it's obviously one of the big subplots of the game um, whether Brendan Rodgers feels he, he does not make t- need to make wholesale changes um, as Rich touched on so I think Rodgers has always said it, he would have preferred the League Cup to format in England to be the way it is in Scotland that essentially you're done most of it before Christmas and then uh, you can start to focus on the other cup competitions so while he may not intend to make wholesale changes you would expect some of his key players to be rested um, ahead of their league game so whether Newcastle have to come up against Madison and, and all that um, be intriguing to see it certainly seems like he is taking it seriously yeah. uh, obviously like you say into Europe it's a good step into Europe if you win the competition they've got some excellent players and it will be interesting to see if the likes of Vardy um, start because you know, he had a, a good game against Sheffield United. Scored the the winner, which he well not the winner. He scored a goal there, which he thoroughly enjoyed. Um, I mean, for you, who are the key men that they have to keep quiet? Obviously, we don't know the team, but the ones that you, who, I suppose, who would you like to see? Who would you like? Who are the as a punter? You, just well, just as a neutral, <laughs> looking a neutral. on and saying, well, you know, these are the 
the, the players. I mean, Madison obviously is a yeah. very talented one, um, but anyone particularly you'd like to see? Yeah, I think he's the one that you feel is about to go up to that next level. Um, you know, they've, they've got a brilliant record, really, of, of just getting players and taking them on and then, you know, potentially selling them on, um, albeit... I think what Rogers wants to do now is for them to be able to hold on to your Maguires and Madisons going forward so that they can actually close that gap on the top six. Um, and yeah, I'd, I'd be very surprised if he was to say about the cup or just put out a second string. He's going to want to win it because, um, as he said, it's a, an easy pathway into Europe and that is going to be key for convincing your key players to stick around. And as much as you know we we know all about um Vardy and but that Premier League winning generation is moving on a bit now and he's looking at right what's this young core I can bring through and, and Madison's at the heart of that isn't it for Newcastle then um it's going to be an interesting one Steve Bruce has obviously made it clear that he would like to win a cup um he's talked about 1976 and being a ball boy at Wembley as much as City beat Newcastle in the, the League Cup final and it's going to be an interest to see his team, but how do you think Newcastle will approach tomorrow? Um, what is the best way of, get, of getting a victory? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the, the big question. I suppose um, when you're making changes, a lot of these players haven't played a, a competitive game together um, for a while. I think there will be natural rustiness in there. Um, you know, when... How they go about, I suppose, is is taking the positives from the Spurs game. Um, not only, as I said, how they defend it, but how they can hurt teams as well. And a lot really does depend on the guys coming in, delivering and taking their chance. So, you know, Muto, when he came out against Norwich, he felt really isolated, detached from play. Um, didn't have a great afternoon when he came on. If he's to get a rare start, it's about him, you know, showing that he can play as a, a forward and be a, a second option. Because even being a second option up front now is going to be tough because you got Gale coming back, you got Carroll eventually coming back. So for someone like Muto, this is a really good chance to to show what he can do um, and to prove that his second season in England will be a lot better than his first. So I think there there'll still be a lot of pace in that team. Um, to potentially catch Leicester on the break, but I could see you know Newcastle not surrendering possession, but you know being more focused on being clinical and just having a really solid defensive shape. I think they're the keys they have to take forward now um, in terms of a blueprint, whatever eleven is put out there. Well, that was going to be my final question to you: <laughs> is who tomorrow needs to make an impression? Um, you know, and I think it probably will be Mutu. Mm. Um, so my question to you though is if he starts up front and it's the same formation bearing in mind that obviously Rondon filled that formation in really well last season Joe Linton's done it well um, against Spurs getting back obviously the difference in height between Joe Linton and Muto is very noticeable Um, and it does require you know kind of a a strong tall forward man defending from the front which no disrespect to Muto he just isn't that so what happens in that respect? Because you, you you would assume it'll be the same formation, but you're taking out one person who was perfect for it and bringing in someone who was a totally different kind of striker. Yeah, I suppose it's it's on him to prove he can be someone who can fit into that system. I mean, um, I think we all took a lot of heart from 
some of his preseason performances. Um, you know, you have to remember he's not a striker, is he? So he's been asked to play a kind of different role to he did last season. And the key for Muto, I feel, is just finding that role because you don't want him to think, oh, could we throw him on the right wing? Could you put him on the left? Could you know? You, the last thing he needs is to be that kind of player. We know what Andy Carroll can do. When he comes on and when he's fit, you know exactly what he's going to bring to the team. Now we need to know, right, this is what Muto would do for you in the last 20 minutes, that he can be an impact player. Because, as I said, to even get on that bench now when everyone's going to be fit, it's not going to be easy. You you have uh, you know, Atsu, you have some Maximum, you have Carol, Gale, Muto. It's, it's really, really heating up there. So, yeah, it, for me, it's a, a great chance for him. So the final question then, will Newcastle make it through to the next round of the League Cup? I think Sunday's uh, thoughtless predictions are completely pointless. Uh, that you can, yeah, <laughs> you I, never... went, I went for 1-1, one, one. I was the only positive one Fair on the play. sports desk. Fair play, I mean, uh, um, I I think they'll, it, it won't be a, a disaster. I can see um, people like Fernandes playing well I could see Matty Longstaff having a, another remarkable game if he used to play um, but I just think Leicester probably will will have just a little bit much um, even in you know like you said uh, Rogers not going to be making you know 11 changes I think Newcastle as much as they would love a cup run the key is that Watford game for me uh, if I was looking at those two games without needing to play academy players tomorrow night but I'd be thinking you know it'd be much better if they could get a positive result against Watford but they will need a performance tomorrow and if you take another good performance from tomorrow that's that's only going to help as well so yeah I probably would say Leicester will edge it but it's no no shame in that when you're when you're trying to balance everything I guess and there you have it if you head over to chroniclelive.co.uk Keep with you with all the latest in Castle Night news, including all the build-up to tomorrow's game and what Steve Bruce and the players have had to say ahead of that game. And we'll bring you live coverage from St James's Park um, starting early tomorrow afternoon. That's Wednesday. This has been the Everything is Black and White podcast.